0: What's up? It's Marvin of the Miles Ahead podcast. I know these past few weeks have been stressful in the world due to the coronavirus. I hope everyone is staying safe, doing very well with your social distancing to the best of your abilities, and washing your hands on a consistent basis. I know there's a lot of people out there who are just now realizing the importance of washing their hands. It's sad that it takes a pandemic for these people to finally see it. When this blows over, for the people who don't wash their hands, please don't return to the same status quo, but remain cleanly for the rest of your life. Start a new chapter with soap. I know you heard of it. And don't allow dirty hands to take the wheel again. Also, there are better days ahead. It's not the time for panic, but it's the time for unity and strength. Now that I got that out the way, let's get into the topics. But first, here's a commercial break. Now let's dive into the topics that will be talked about throughout this podcast, starting with the NBA. I will give my top five rookies up until this point, my top five players in the league up until this point, and who I think has a better chance of getting back to the finals between Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant. As for the NFL, I will give my review of the Super Bowl, and I will give my perspective on the big offseason acquisitions that were made. Now let's get into it. For the first segment of the NBA, we're going to plunge into my top five rookies up until the suspension, starting with at number one. Ja Morant. He was playing out of his mind, showing that he's here to make a dent in the league. He had led his team to the eighth seed up until that point. He was averaging 17 points, seven assists on 49% shooting from the field. And to me, he was the runaway rookie of the year because he played the majority of the games, and he was exciting. At number two, I have Zion Williamson, who has shown from his debut, coming back from his injury, how explosive he is, and plus how much of a big impact that he has made for that team. He was averaging 23 points, seven rebounds, on 58% shooting from the field. And he had yet to have less than 20 points in a game yet. That's how good that he has been so far. And he was actually closing in on getting the eighth seed with the combination of him playing with Lonzo Ball, who has stepped up, and Brandon Ingram, who has stepped up. Now we're going to move on to number three which was Kendrick Nunn, he was playing very well. He averaged 16 points on 45% shooter from the field, 35% from three, and 85% from the free throw line. It's safe to say that he's the best shooter in the rookie class, along with his teammate, Tyler Hero. He's shown a lot of grit and hustle, contributing to the Heat being the fourth seed. So watch out for Kendrick Nunn. He's been balling. At number four, I have Roy Hashemira. He was doing very well. He was very relentless and calculated with his offense and definitely a problem on defense. He averaged 13 points, 6 rebounds, on 48% shooting from the field. And plus, he averaged the most steals out of all the rookies. At number 5, I have RJ Barrett, who has shown to be a very good player for the Knicks. And the Knicks fans, they accept him. They love him. He's shown promise in the league, and he's averaged 14 points and five rebounds and that's it on my top five rookies up until the suspension next we're going to move on to my top five players now let's get into my top five players in the league up into the suspension starting with at number one Giannis Antetokounmpo, who was the clear runaway MVP. He led his team to the number one record in the league. And because of him, the Bucks could have possibly won 70 games. He was on a mission, playing with drive, dominance and unselfishness. He averaged 29 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, a steal and a block. On 54% shooting from the field. And plus, prior to the suspension, he was top five all time in player efficiency rating, aka PER. Next, we're gonna move on to number two. At number two, I have Kawhi Leonard who was the terminator of the league and everyone was afraid of. Despite the low management and his team going through injuries, the Clippers were still the number two seed. His defense was on fire and his offense was on point as usual because of his high basketball IQ. He had displayed winning intangibles for his team on the Raptors. And he was displaying the same winning intangibles for the Clippers. He averaged 27 points, 7.5 rebounds, 5 assists, on 47% shooting from the field. Talk about a baller. Next, we're going to move on to number three. <laughs> At number three, I have LeBron James, who has been showing that he can still ball with the best of them, especially on the offensive end. Despite him being in his 17th season, he was still showing a lot of production. He led the Lakers to the number one seed, along with the help of Anthony Davis, where LeBron actually regressed, Back in his points, he ended up averaging 25 points along with 8 rebounds, and he was leading the league in assists with close to 11. The reason why he's been doing so well is because of his high basketball IQ. Next, we're going to move on to my number 4 player. <laughs> at number four i had james harden who was playing very well up until this point he and his team was showing that they were a threat especially to the lakers in my opinion to me if they would have faced off they would have definitely went seven games and i would not be surprised if the Lakers lost that series. But James Harden had to step up in his defense to a degree, especially since they don't have any rim protection, since they traded Clint Capella. And that allowed the lane to open up for Russell Westbrook, which helped James Harden as well and James Harden was leading the league in scoring at 35 points, along with averaging 7 assists and 6 rebounds. Next, we're going to move on to the last and final player at number 5. At number 5, I have Luca Doncic. He was showing that he is a star on the rise. He was being explosive along with building chemistry with his other star player in Porzingis. He led his team to the 7th seed and he was an all-star his sophomore year. Talk about balling. He averaged 29 points, 9 rebounds, and 9 assists. Now all we got to do is just sit and watch and see what he could do in the playoffs. And that's it on my top 5 players in the league up until the suspension. Let's move on to who has a better chance of getting back to the finals between Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant. Now let's get into who has the better chance of getting back to the finals, between Stephen Curry or Kevin Durant. But first, let's give the reasoning for both players. Let's start with Steph. One reason is because the organization is completely behind winning. They'll do whatever it takes to get the championship. Another reason is because Steph's style of play can attract serviceable players or big name free agents to help with the winning. All of this is based on step style play. Just look at who's came David West, Sean Livingston, Andre Godala, Kevin Durant, DeMarcus Cousins. These players were all attracted to step style play. The last reason why Steph has a very good chance of getting back to the finals is because he has led the Warriors to the finals three times without having Kevin Durant in the lineup. He was the leader even when Kevin Durant was there. Just look at the Warriors' record and the shooting differences when Steph isn't in the lineup because of his spacing along with his elite playmaking that he provides for the team. As for Kevin Durant, on the other hand, one of the reasons why he has a chance of getting back to the finals is because he is very talented and highly skilled offensively. Another reason is because he knows what it takes to win a championship based on his experience that he had with the Warriors. Another reason is because he would be playing with very good players. That being in LaVert and Dinwiddie, who have shown growth since they've been on the Nets, they will be very vital. For that team, the last reason is because Kevin Durant is determined to prove the naysayers aka the media, that he can win as the sole guy. Both of these players have compelling cases, but let's get into who I think has the edge. <laughs> I think Steph has the best chance of getting back to the finals because he's proven it with his style of play and his unselfishness for the team. He still has a couple of his core championship pieces, that being in Clay and Draymond, where KD, on the other hand, has to figure out how he's going to mesh with Kyrie. We don't know how Kevin Durant will look coming back from his Achilles injury. We just assume that he's going to be 110% or he's going to play the same. But that may not even be the case. He may be very good on offense, but not the same on defense. Plus, Kyrie has a long history of being injury prone. Way longer than Steph does. Kevin Durant will notice right off rip How much he truly benefited from Steph's spacing. There's already drama for the Nets already. Plus, before they even started playing together, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, Kyrie had his coach fired, who was close to being able to get that team into the playoffs, even though Kyrie has been injured for the majority of the season. Steph, Clay, and Draymond have played in five finals. And the fact that this season was a hiatus for them in terms of not playing or not being in playoff contention, they will be refreshed for the next season. And plus, they also still have an elite coach in Steve Kerr. And they're not going to fire him. And that's my reasoning for why Steph has a better chance of getting back to the finals more than KD does. Coming up, we're going to move on to the NFL and my Super Bowl review. But first, here's a commercial break. Now let's plunge into the Super Bowl review. Congratulations to the Chiefs. They played elite defense, and on the offensive end, they came up strong when it mattered. I was right about picking the Chiefs to win the championship. The Chiefs won 31 to 20 points, and a comeback down 10 in the fourth quarter with seven minutes left. I was right about saying that the Chiefs' defense would show up, And also saying that the difference between Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady in 2007 is Patrick Mahomes' mobility. I was wrong about him not throwing an interception. Now let's get into the reasonings why the Chiefs won. Patrick Mahomes showed that he's not afraid of the moment his leadership intangibles came up strong and he came up clutch for this team he motivated his team to win despite the elite defense that the 49ers played. they affected him and he ended up playing bad for two quarters two whole quarters and some of the fourth quarter because the Niners had the best defense in the league He stayed poised and got the win. He threw 286 yards, two touchdowns, and rushed for a touchdown. He deserved the MVP of this game. Without him, there is no comeback. Another reason why they've won is because of the confidence they had. They were extremely confident, and they knew that they were not down and out. Another reason why they won is because Damian Williams balled out. He was effective rushing and receiving. He had 133 yards total, along with one rushing touchdown and one receiving touchdown. He was very key in helping his team win the championship. Chris Jones was the MVP on the defensive end. He batted down three crucial passes in the clutch that if they were caught, they could have made the 49ers have a more comfortable win. Another reason why they won is because Tyron Matthew played extremely well. He helped lead the defense as well as break up passes, making tackles, and assisting sacks. Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins came up clutch as well with some key catches. They combined for 14 receptions on 213 yards. Andy Reid was all or nothing out there as a coach. He created some great plays to go for it on fourth down. He also trusted Patrick Mahomes to make the right plays. Steve Spagnuolo coach the defense to a T in the fourth quarter those are the reasons why the chiefs won this game next we're going to get into the reasons why the 49ers lost now let's get into why the 49ers lost the 49ers lost because coach kyle shannon in was not able to close the deal despite having a 10-point lead Going into the fourth quarter. And plus, I also think that this loss was a lot worse than the Patriots won. He was an offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. But for this team, he was the head coach. And to me, he also didn't have confidence in his quarterback. He didn't have trust in him. And that showed. Another reason why they lost is because Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think is a top 10 quarterback in the league, came up short on some passes. He threw a couple of interceptions. He choked in the fourth quarter. He played excellent for his first three quarters, but it was his first playoff run. So we're going to have to see where this experience will take him in the future. Another reason why they lost is because Richard Sherman got baked by Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins on very key plays. He showed his age and that he's not the same. Plus, he proved Darrell Reeves right, which that's exactly what he didn't want to do. And plus, I have not heard a word from Richard Sherman since that loss. Another reason why they lost is because the defensive coordinator couldn't keep the game where it was before the comeback because they were sitting in a great position. And then the next thing you know, the Chiefs go on a 21 0 run in the fourth quarter. That should not happen. The last reason why they lost is because they also lost confidence after the Chiefs scored their first touchdown in the fourth quarter. Like, it just left immediately. Right out the building. And that's it on why the 49ers lost along with the Super Bowl review. Next, we're going to move on to the big acquisitions that were made in free agency. Now, let's get into the big acquisitions that were made in free agency, starting with the Buccaneers, who acquired the six-time champion and Tom Brady. They have a chance, in my opinion, of winning the division. He's surrounded by weapons on that roster in terms of tight ends and big-time receivers. Plus, the defense was very good last year. He went to the least competitive division in the NFC. The championship experience and high football IQ could get this team a win in the playoffs. I don't see him winning a championship, though, but he'll be able to have moderate playoff success for as long as he's there. Now, let's move on to the next team that had a very good acquisition. The next team are the Panthers, who acquired Teddy Bridgewater, who played very well last season. Throughout Drew Brees being injured for a time. Teddy went 5 and 0. I think he possibly could have beat the Vikings if Drew was replaced. He was very consistent, and he knows how to get wins. Throughout those five games, he had 1,384 yards, nine touchdowns, and only two interceptions on a 99 QBR he beat be some tough teams throughout that gap of not having Drew Brees. So now let's move on to the next team. The next team are the Cardinals. They were able to get the young star quarterback who was crowned Offensive Rookie Player of the Year and Kyler Murray, a weapon in DeAndre Hopkins. He's a top three receiver and he will automatically boost this team to another level. I can see this team boosting their wins three more than last year's record. DeAndre Hopkins had over 1,000 yards in receiving, seven touchdowns on 104 receptions. Talk about a problem. Now let's move on to the next team. The next team are the Saints. They acquired Emmanuel Sanders, which will definitely help this team, especially since Drew Brees has shown that he's fallen off. When it comes to his accuracy and his power, it's going to be a great duo between Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel is still very good as a receiver, and he will definitely help this team. Now, let's move on to the next team. The next team are the Bears, who acquired Nick Foles. He's very experienced and will definitely be better than Mitch Trubisky. All the Bears needed was just a quarterback because their defense was already very good. The Bears can be a problem in the division. And to me, Nick Foles sees a level of consistency, which is what the Bears need. So watch out for the Bears. Next, we're going to move on to the final team that made a huge acquisition throughout this free agency. The last and final team that I think made a huge acquisition this free agency was the Ravens. They picked up the defensive end, Calais Campbell, who is a problem. This team will 100% get even better on that end. He can help this team get to a conference championship. He was a pro bowler last season. He had 56 tackles, six and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles. And that's it. On the big acquisitions that were made, this off season thanks for listening to the podcast have a safe great rest of the week don't forget to follow the instagram account called miles ahead pod that's m-i-l-e-s ahead pod remember let's not be inches feet, meters, no yards, let's be miles ahead.